Okay, if you have your uh, Bibles, we're going to open back up to John 8. We're going to look at the next couple of verses here, um, just by themselves, and then whenever we look at our next section next week, we'll, those will be part of that as well. We're just going to look at one aspect of it this afternoon. So in um, John chapter 8, as we said this morning, Jesus is having this exchange with the uh, Pharisees and the Jews. He makes a statement. They come back. The more they talk, the more apparent it becomes that they're just confused. They don't really comprehend what He's saying. Uh, they don't understand uh, really what the discussion is, is even all about. But then it says at the end... In verse 30, it says that as he spake, that is Jesus, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, when we first started John, at least close to when we first started John, um, at the end of chapter two, we get this uh, we get this section, verses twenty three through twenty five, where it says, "Now when he was in Jerusalem, that's Jesus at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did." But Jesus did not commit Himself unto them because He knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for He knew what was in man. And when we were there, and we've made reference to this as we've gone through, when we were there, we, we clarified um, verse 24, but Jesus did not commit Himself unto them because He knew all men. Verse 23 says many believed. Verse 24 says Jesus did not believe their belief. He, he knew that it was not what we would call real. So then we go throughout um, uh, the, the next several chapters and we see examples of that. Um, so we have a guy like uh, Nicodemus. Um, who eventually does become a believer, but he's not at the time in John three when this when this happens, and and then a series of characters that that show and demonstrate this. And I think when we get to John chapter eight, we're seeing the same kind of thing. It says that when many heard this, they believed. But you'll notice what Jesus' response was. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, "If you continue in my word." Then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So there's this call to enduring, continuing. In John 15, he would say abiding um, in his word. And then he says, and this is what we're going to think about for a few minutes this afternoon. Uh, then he says this phrase that we're all familiar with, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You will know the truth. If you abide in the Word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. We'll look at one aspect of that this afternoon. So this phrase in verse um, 
32. If you abide, you shall know the truth. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, the word know, as we've pointed out in several other places, but the word know in this text is the uh, the Greek word gnosko. There's this experiential knowledge that Jesus is referring to. If you abide or if you continue in my word, you will be my disciple or you will be my learner, you will be my student, and you will know the truth. You will have this experiential knowledge of the truth. Now, Primarily, and then the truth will set you free. Primarily, what Jesus is referring to here with this experiential knowledge, He's telling these people that you will be brought into a relationship, an experiential living relationship with the truth, and it is the truth that will set you free. What I want to emphasize this afternoon is this reality that to know the truth, particularly here, is to know Jesus Christ. Now, there is other truth to be known, and surely we could um, apply it this way. But if you look at verse 36, it seems like a clear parallel to what we're talking about. Verse 36, Jesus says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So verse 31, if you know the truth, or you you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. Who or what is it that's setting an individual free? Well, it's the Son. It's Jesus Christ. And so when we're thinking about this kind of freedom that comes through knowing the truth, we're not talking about a freedom, at least in this context, that comes because you have your cognitions rearranged. Now, truth does bring light, and those who have come to know the Lord and are growing in the truth are growing in the freedom from bondage of sin and those kinds of things. But until we come to know the capital T truth, that is Jesus Christ who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, then the rest of the body of truth will do you no good. Christianity is primarily, it focuses on, it majors on this relationship with the Son of God who came from the bosom of the Father to declare Him. We are followers of a person. And it is Jesus Christ who has set us free. Free from what? Well, free from the chains of death. Free from bondage of sin. Free from the penalty of hell. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you'll notice that in the New Testament, when we talk about salvation or when we talk about what it means to be saved or delivered or redeemed, it's all relational. It's not just that God gives you a golden ticket and you get to show up and hand it and go about your merry way. It's that you've been brought into relationship. The bride has brought into relationship with 
the groom. You've been purchased. You've been redeemed. John 17.3, Jesus makes clear that whenever He's talking about eternal life, this is life eternal, that they might know Thee. That same word, gnosko, an experiential way, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. We're talking about a living relationship with a living God. So, Jesus says to these Jews who are full of um, arguments, full of confusion, full of questions, says that some came to believe. And Jesus says, if you will remain, if you will continue, if you will abide in My Word, then you're my disciples. And you will know the truth. So the question is at this point, how? How do we come to know Jesus Christ? Well, there's a twofold way. Number one, as we talked about this morning, outside of the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to know Jesus Christ in this experiential way. Why? Because we're from below and He's from above. Okay? Jesus is, is, is not like us. And this spiritual knowledge, this um, relationship that He draws His people into is really a translation. It's a, the, the same word there in Colossians being translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. It's a metamorphosis. It's a transformation that has to take place. The natural man has no ability to enter into a relationship like that. But when the Spirit comes and quickens our heart, when we are made willing in the day of His power and we're drawn to Him, then something else happens. Not only are we drawn into a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, but we're given capacities to be able to understand, to be able to benefit from, to live off of the Word of God. How do we know who Christ is? Well, number one, we're given spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. And then number two, our hearts are given understanding and they are informed by Scripture. We've said this in various ways over the last several months as we've been in John and we made application in other places as well. But truth is always meant to drive us closer to Christ. Truth is always meant to strengthen our relationship with Jesus Christ. Truth is never meant to be standalone. It's never meant to be placed in dry, abstract categories that's somehow removed from a living relationship with the living God. Because here's the reality about truth. You could have all of truth systematized, categorized, clarified in your head. But outside of a living relationship and connection with Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit, that truth is of zero benefit to you. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? But it's true. It takes the Spirit to make that alive. And the Spirit makes that alive for a reason. Because God is using that truth 
as you grow as a disciple, as a learner, He's using that truth to make you more and more conformed to the image of the truth, His Son. So He says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. By the way, this sort of an understanding, this is why you hear so often people talk about Bible reading as their time with the Lord. This is maybe my quiet time. This is my devotion time. This is my, you can call it whatever you want, but they, they talk about this in a relational way. This is the time that I'm spending with God. This is the time set aside where I'm hearing from Him. This is the time set aside where I'm speaking to Him. Why? Because I've come to know the truth, capital T, Jesus Christ. Well, it goes without saying, but to make a claim that you've come to know in an experiential way a guy who died over 2,000 years ago sounds nuts to the natural man, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's no wonder that, that uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with the same kind of thing Jesus was dealing with here in John 8. But to say that you know the Son of God who has shined the light of life into your heart makes all the sense in the world to a born-again believer. When John Newton says, I once was blind, but now I see, we know what that means, don't we? That makes sense. We don't need an explanation for that. And that's what we're saying here. You will know the truth. And then the truth shall make you free. Now, if we're thinking about this from the capital T truth, that is Christ being the way and the truth and the life, then the truth has made us free, and we've talked about this before, but the truth has made us free in at least three categories. When you think about the work of Jesus Christ, He came to redeem a people. Right? To ransom us out of the slave market of sin. And so when we think about what it means to know the truth and the truth make you free, number one, out of Romans chapter 8, verse 1, if you've come to know Jesus Christ in an experiential way through the power of the Spirit, then you've been made free from the penalty of sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This, again, reality that in and of ourselves, natural man, we have accumulated guilt before God. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then whenever we're awakened to this reality that in our best works, on our best days, knowing all that we knew to do. The law was never meant to be a bridge from us to God. 
The law was meant to point us to the one who could reconcile us to God. Okay, Romans chapter 3. There is no righteousness that comes by the law, but there is a righteousness that's outside of the law. That's through faith in Christ, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So it's freedom from the penalty of sin. Our sin was placed upon Him. His righteousness is placed upon us. Now, you may say, well, surely, you know, we're, we're still in the basics here. Well, you realize every other thing that we have as it relates to our relationship with Christ is built on this reality. Your sin has been taken care of and your righteousness has been established. You could have everything else but that and you have nothing. Okay, This is our standing before Him. Secondly, as a born-again believer, as we've come to know the truth, not only are we free from the penalty of sin, but brothers and sisters, we've been made free from the power of sin. Redeemed, ransomed, that is bought out of the slave market of sin, means that you no longer have to live under sin's bondage. You're no longer under sin's power. And Romans 6 is very clear about this. Romans chapter 6, verse 8. We were here a couple of weeks ago. It says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once. But in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, verse 11, or in the same way, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not therefore sin, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it and the lust thereof. You see, if you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. That is, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then number one, you're not trying to establish your own righteousness. You're not hyper-focused on uh, your works, but you're hyper-focused on what He's done for you in the Gospel. Number two, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've come to know the truth then you are not willingly, habitually yielding yourself up to enslaving sin. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't sin. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle with sin. It means that you don't put yourself back under the bondage of sin. Sin is no longer your master. You're no longer happy there. You're no longer, you can't function there the way that you used to could. Why? Because you're dead to sin and sin no longer has power over you. Now, this doesn't mean that born again believers cannot be in, uh, tangled in sin. It doesn't even mean that they can't be enslaved to sin for a season. But it does mean if you've come to know the truth and you are continuing, abiding, remaining in His Word, the truth will make you free. And you no longer have to be a slave to sin. As a matter of fact, anyone who claims to be a Christian who is um, 
willingly and habitually giving themselves over to sin, uh, there's no place for assurance there until repentance takes place. Why? Because God doesn't leave His children where He's already redeemed them. If He's bought us out of that slave market, He's not going to leave us there. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. So hope in a scenario like that is always in repentance. It's always in turning from sin to Christ. So free, free from the penalty of sin, free from the power and bondage of sin. And then you know this one. One day we're going to be free from the very presence of sin. We're going to live in a world where there are no more temptations. We're going to live in a world where there are no more weaknesses, trials, frailties. Why? Because we've been ransomed. We've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We've come to know the truth and the truth has once and for all set us free. Revelation 21 talks about this. Revelation 21, 1 through 5, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So here we have a a looking forward to, looking forward to a time when all things are made new. The time when there are no more tears, there's no more death, there's no more sorrow, there's no more crying, there's no more pain. Why? Because the former things have passed away. Well, what's that? What are the former things? Well, the former things are the first heaven, the first earth. Revelation chapter 22 would say, this way in verse three, there is or and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Free. The truth sets us free. Free from the penalty of sin, free from the power and bondage of sin. And then one day, free from the presence of sin. And so we're going to come back on Sunday and we're going to look at this and we're going to see it goes, it goes deeper than this. We can go further than this, but we have to start here. You can take the most appropriate truth for any given circumstance and outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ an abiding, living relationship with Him in His Word as His disciple, knowing Him, the most relevant truth is useless. 
It doesn't apply. There's no power in it. Because it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to apply and minister this truth of being brought into relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ, for us to know the kind of freedom that Jesus talks about in John chapter 8. And so we'll build upon that next week. But for this afternoon, it's knowing the truth and that truth setting us free. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank You that for, um, uh, for those of us here who can say that we have been brought to know the truth, that the Son has set us free, that we've been redeemed out of the slave market of sin, that already we could say the old things have passed away and all things have become new. And Father, we anticipate the day when that's fully consummated, when the curse is done away with, when we not only are made free of the penalty and the power of sin, but there's no more sin, no more presence of it, no pain, no sorrow. And when that day comes, we'll say the same thing we've said this afternoon, that it's all because of the truth, the Lamb of God, who's taken away the sin of the world, who saved His people from their sin. And so, Lord, I pray that You would bless us to rejoice in these truths that are so familiar and yet so powerful when we look at them with fresh eyes. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.